and gentlemen, welcome to the Christmas special or holiday special, keep it kosher. Our annual holiday special. Yes, season, I guess the season six end. Thank you for your patience. We had a episode come out, the environment mm-hmm. came Over out. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. That was terrific. We've been a little, just a little bit busy. So yeah. They'll, they'll be coming out. It was great because I had forgot what the heck I had said. And it was, it was nice. But I was kind of pissed off that I called Saturn a planet. I mean, no, 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 the sun, a planet twice. And that, that's that's highly erroneous. I'm, so, I'm sorry for everyone out there who might have thought that uh, I led you astray. No, I apologize. But anyway, here we are. And the beauty of this week is, Amanda, it's not just you and me. It's not. We it have... It is the words with friends to the third or whatever. Our tall ginger compatriot. Ladies I mean, and gentlemen. <laughs> I can't think of a better way to be Ladies described. and gentlemen, Isaac O'Brien, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome, Amanda. Resident expert. What I thought would be important would be, you know, this being the holiday episode, I thought it would be important to describe the aesthetic that we were recording in. I want to mention that it is 77 degrees inside this house in which we're recording. So warm, so cozy, so nice. Everything is very carpeted. Uh, There are some nice blankets. We have holiday scented candles burning. I think there's an evergreen tree one. It's real nice. Two degrees from my pants coming off. I'm just like, I'm so hot. (laughs) I did have, I had like one and a half whiskey showers in the moment. Very, very quickly. What are you going to do? Warms the blood. It does. (laughs) And the oven's running, which makes it only hotter in this tiny 500 square feet. It's all right. It's cozy. That's right. So the semester is coming to an end. Finals week here in Akron, Ohio. Yes, it is. Or in, for the three of us, final week, <laughs> as we only have one this week. And it's I on Friday. I literally just take a test. Oh, sorry. Well, Amanda, well, you know. <laughs> Except for Amanda, who took one earlier today. <laughs> it went great. Yeah, yeah, but this semester's been all right. We got through it. I think just we, one more. And then we will be, you know, <laughs> wherever we will be, doing whatever we will do in due time. So, as you guys know, with our holiday specials, we, we generate a word that had nothing to do with our previous words. We just That's right. we just picked a new one. And Austin, what was the word this week? Connection. And I remember this time. Typically I ask Amanda like a week and a half later, hey, what's the word? But I did remember this time. And I don't know about you guys, but I made mine more of a holiday themed subject. Yeah, I thought that was the expectation. That was my expectation. <laughs> I thought we were talking about climate change. <laughs> Austin, do you want to start us off? Yes. With our word being connection and knowing that there are three of us and knowing how how long we, I, I was always shocked in the summer episodes and how quickly oh, two know. people can can fill forty five minutes of time. This might be a very long episode. Right. So I try to keep it a little bit shorter and just try, try to throw some fun things in. Um, so I thought about connection. I thought about how people get connected to the holiday spirit and kind of get in in the groove. Because for whatever reason, there's a big thing with Christmas. You have to be like in the holiday spirit. As opposed to other holidays, it's like, yeah. oh, I'm really feeling like the Thanksgiving. No, it's just, mm-hmm. it just doesn't happen. I think true. the Thanksgiving feeling is just full. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It really is. It's just tired. Like, I feel very large and very tired. Or, or American. <laughs> I feel like an American. But anyway, um, so I thought about feeling the, in the holiday spirit. So what I wanted to look at uh, is actually Christmas movies and how we feel connected through them as well as other holiday movies that aren't Christmas related because there are some movies that are Kwanzaa or Hanukkah and they're buck wild I'm so excited so these aren't other holidays in general they're other like December holidays yes okay 
Because I was really hoping for Coco on that list. <laughs> just a day Coco was a movie. good film. So I found an article that just talked about why there are so many. And so a few people would just comment like, hey, you know, there's a sense of nostalgia. You can feel, you can, I don't know, you can live vicariously through other people. I don't know if you guys ever like watch like home, you guys ever watch like home videos from Christmas time? Is that like a thing? Not from Christmas time, we would watch like... Just general home videos. Yeah. So my family has uh, a bunch of like Christmas family home videos when I was like really young. And there's some great ones where like I'll be holding chocolate and then yelling at my sister for not giving me chocolate or something like that. <laughs> there's some really good ones. But again, like, yeah, sense of nostalgia, being able to watch things that kind of put you in the mood, I guess. Hallmark this year has a whopping 22 new Christmas themed films. Wow. This year, 22. 22. Oh, yeah. Dang, See, Hallmark. That, that, that can't be founded on nostalgia. That's just like them cashing in. I don't know what it is. Because they have the, it down to a formula right. and it works every time. Up. Right. Yeah. And so a lot of people like soak them up. So Allie's mom is like a huge fan of like Hallmark Christmas movies and she's all over them. Some of that. Lifetime, still up there, has a modest 18. Aren't they the same thing? I'm going to be interested to hear Netflix. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I actually have a digit on Netflix, but ne- but Netflix totally got into it this year. We had that the Kurt Russell film, mm-hmm. uh, Christmas Prince. That was two. called Christmas Chronicles. And I Christmas recently Chronicles. went back and watched the first Christmas Prince, way better than the second one. Really? Way better. The, oh, yes. the dad in the second one, played by a different person, they really hyped up the New Yorkness of him in the second movie. Oh. He's way more tolerable in the first one. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, he didn't seem like a real person the first. Like, hey, we'll go get some get some donuts. And I stuff cook for down. you. Hey. I cook. We want some pizza. Like he, it was like he was a comic book New York person, mm-hmm. not like a movie <laughs> New York person. Right. So I kind of looked at the question as to, <laughs> along with the Fed, there are so many Christmas movies and they come out so often and like wondering why are there like there's such a difference between the number of Christmas movies versus like an Easter and if we if we're thinking about from like the holiday Christian perspective like why why, why would there only be why are there so many uh, Christmas movies as opposed to like Easter or other holidays I think it's just because the consumerism of Christmas is like overwhelming I feel like it's like everyone's home people are off school and like so you're just like the weather's crappy right yeah exactly i agree like you're home like it's probably poopy to go outside so that's probably part of the reason why like in the spring you you might want to like get outside more but i did try and look up a few easter movies (laughs) and they are very funny there is one uh, well have you guys ever seen here comes peter cottontail no no i've heard of that quick question is The Passion of the Christ listed as an Easter movie? Um, I would absolutely call it an Easter movie. But, I don't know, but did you guys ever watch like The Ten Commandments? Mm-hmm. Yes. Charlton Heston? Yeah. Yeah, I always watched that one. It was, it's, 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 they still show it on like ABC. It's a long film. It was a good film too. From the sense of like <laughs> the spiritual value, like Christmas is great, but Easter is really where things happen. <laughs> but I think it's just the consumerism, like you get gifts and all that good stuff. So I think, I think that has probably something to do with it. You guys ever remember him in the movie Hop? 2011 oh, Easter-themed yeah. live-action yeah. animated comedy film directed live by Tim action. Hill. I don't think it was live-action. I think they mean live-action and animated. So I think it was just animated. <laughs> it's the Easter Beagle, Charlie Brown, 1974. Classic. Uh, Rise of the Guardians, 2012 DreamWorks. Is that DreamWorks considered Animated. an Easter movie? I know Apparently. Like Easter <laughs> so another one that I was interested there was a Fat Albert Easter special, 1982. Hanukkah movies, Little Fockers. Third installment of Me the Parents with uh, Ben oh, Stiller. Oh, I did not see that one. And, uh, is it De Niro? 
Yeah, yes, it's De Niro. Okay, there we go. For sure. Oh, <laughs> big mind De Niro. The movie was dubbed, quote, the worst film of any trilogy to appear in a movie theater by Vanity Fair. But hey, it's... <laughs> no punches held by uh, Vanity the, Fair. <laughs> right. The hard-hitting journalism by them. Foggers came together for a mixed holiday shindig of, I think, of uh, Christmas and Hanukkah spirit. So there's that. Full Court Miracle, Alex Schlotsky, the young leader of an inept Jewish basketball team, recruits a washed-up college basketball star to be their coach, inspired the true story of the University of Virginia Cavaliers basketball star Lamont Carr. 2003 movie is a good old-fashioned sports movie with a side of latkes. I just heard it make you cry. Did you say latkes? <laughs> Which I did not know. I had to look them up. So they're like potato pancakes. You know pancakes. what those are? Latkes. La- what? Latkes. Latkes. Oh, you're making me some latkes. Eric, this is your mother. I made latkes and lamb for dinner. I don't know if you can do that. In a euro. There you go. <laughs> I got New York. So now we have a Jewish caricature <laughs> on a, uh, who lives in New York on this good <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Cool, 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 Whose cool. son is named Eric. <laughs> That's the best Jewish impersonation we I have. Was that a Disney <laughs> Channel movie? That yeah, had that, that, I'm pretty sure that was a Disney okay, Channel okay. movie. Because I remember see, I, I, when I was looking it up, I saw pictures and I was like, oh wait, I think, I've seen this. Also, I think even Stevens were Jewish. Were they? Because there is like a parody of It's a Wonderful Life. Come on, good uh, a Rugrats Hanukkah and a Rugrats okay. Kwanzaa. That's there you go. Okay, so please, if I may, I would like to read to you some of the plot yep. of a Rugrats Hanukkah. <laughs> when Auntie visits the Carmichaels to celebrate Kwanzaa, she tells Slow Susie, down. she tells Susie, the holiday is a time to honor the legacy of our great people. It's just a normal episode. It's not like a movie, it's much, just like an episode. Yeah. So it tells the the, um, the story of Hanukkah through the eyes of some Rugrats. So there's this big beef between Grandpa Boris and Shlomo, who is a rival, <laughs> who is a rival from his youth in Russia. <laughs> so what we have is that pictured in the local newspaper, um, Shlomo was playing the Greek king in the local synagogue's Hanukkah play. And Boris is portraying Judah, and there's this, in like, Judah, and there's this big beef uh, between Judah and, I believe, Shlomo's character. So anyway, they hate each other. And the Rugrats dub uh, Mr. Shlomo the meanie of Hanukkah. <laughs> Boris convinces Shlomo to read the, the story of Hanukkah to the children, which is the story of the Maccabees who rededicate a holy temple and they only had enough oil to light for one day, and it burns for eight. And I had completely forgotten what Hanukkah was deri- yeah. had derived from. Mm-hmm. That you light it, and then it burns for eight. Now, Austin, you've already done two accents, um, so you <laughs> might as well do the even three. Can I get a little piece of Shl- Shlomo, the Russian? Kabdua. <laughs> <laughs> well, my name is Sh- Sh- Shlomo, the Russian. I'm here for the Holy Temple. Would you like some latkes? Uh, and lamb for this evening's dinner. Also, screw the Maccabees. I'm going to destroy them. Judah's a terrible place to be. I don't think that's. Shlomo what sounds like a different character. Yeah, to I don't me. think that's where you're. But anyway, from that. um, <laughs> <laughs> it remains lit for eight days, and at the end, the meanie of Hanukkah, Shlomo and Boris, put aside their differences and become friends. How nice. <laughs> True family. But yeah, because they what they're feuding over is who's going to play the. They feud over who's going to play the lead at the start, mm-hmm. and then. They're mad because like one of the other ones like gets gets the good part, and, but they put aside their differences. The Black Candle, which is like a legitimate documentary, I saw like just the trailers for, actually narrated by Maya Angelou. Yeah. It has to do with how Kwanzaa kind of started amidst like 
part of the Black Panther movement, which I did not know that's how, I have no idea how it started. What really? Is. I thought Kwanzaa was like a traditional African thing. Is it like... Explains the beginning of Kwanzaa in the 1960s as part of the Black Panther movement. Oh. Isn't that wild? Also, it explains the discovery of vibranium. That's Qu- me. <laughs> Kwanzaa. <laughs> Wakanda. Wakanda. Shout out Chadwick Boseman. All right. Um, but anyway, yeah, I actually saw... I would be A very, listener. <laughs> I would be interested in, wa- in, in watching that one. And by far, my favorite movie that's non-Christmas related is Eight Crazy Nights, an animated film which stars none other than your friend and ours, Adam Sandler. Sounds like it would be. Uh, <laughs> I watched the trailer. Did they make a movie of this? I watched the trailer. It was one of some of the best two and a half minutes of my life. 2002 animated comedy drama centers around the Jewish holiday and is a perfect way to get some laughs during the festive season. Although animated, it is not for kids, says uh, one uh, article. <laughs> so the uh, the introduction to the trailer it has like the most like stereotypical advert man like Adam Sandler like you've never seen him before and literally what happens is just Adam Sandler walks around town and just just destroys everything <laughs> it's just like I don't even know he just causes immense havoc my favorite part of the of the trailer is where Adam Sandler is refing a youth basketball game and he yells at a fat kid saying. Hey, Jelly Junks, next time you come on my court, you better wear a bra, okay? And then the kid turns to another old Jewish man um, who's also a referee of the game, and he says, He's just kidding. You've got very nice boobs. <laughs> and it makes me want to watch this movie so bad just to see you know, what would happen. But it, yeah, essentially, it's just Adam Sandler going around and being a jerk. Oh, and they also advertised... Was he what, just a jerk? Was he ruining everything? with? Because when you said destroying everything... I didn't think with his words, I thought like yeah, Gallagher like, style. Yeah. <laughs> like Adam Sandler and his giant acoustic guitar was just going and smashing stuff. <laughs> I guess I don't know, but like he, he seemed to just, I don't know. Sounds like a um, movie. They said they have a, there's also a brand new installment of the Hanukkah song in the film. Oh boy. Ooh, showstopper. Right, made famous by Saturday Night Live, I believe. Yeah. Like way back when. Yeah. The Hanukkah song. But anyway. Yeah, there's so many Christmas movies, and I think a lot of them are absolutely terrible. Like we we all we all watched Christmas Prince. Christmas Prince. You got to shit wedding. on Christmas Prince too. <laughs> it was terrible. It was not a good movie. Listen, that was a great movies, film, It's dog. a weird like people hate watch them. Okay, are I watched them for joy. Yeah, no, I didn't find them enjoyable because they're so ridiculous. I think the Christmas Prince is a very inclusive film. It was actually very inclusive. They're they're pretty was good with one, that. Was there a black person in that movie? I don't know. I didn't know. There was a one. There was some girl who was. <laughs> I don't see race. It's Christmas time. There was a gay man. There, mm. You don't know that. We don't know that. You don't know. He never that talked about he his was, preferences. They, but he was. You, he was coded as. To gay. be assumed. Can you believe what we're hearing? Amanda, it's 2018. You I know. Can't say crap like that. Especially after Austin did that Jewish character. <laughs> man. Yeah, you yeah. can you can't you can't appropriate really people's culture like that. No, I I only got into Hallmark movies uh, a couple years ago with my my old roommates because they were very into them, and they're always ridiculous. We tried to watch one the other night called It's Christmas Carol, but it would not load. But I really wanted to know what that. <laughs> it would <is>. load. <laughs> Good story. Harry Fisher was. Was, was in there it, a like, comma on that? Like it's Christmas comma Carol. Carol exclamation point yeah. Was and Carol oh. Fisher was in it. Oh, so I, okay, I think I see. like more recently they've gotten like bigger names. Was Carol blind? No. Because we all know Carol that was a high-powered exec though. Carol never wore her safety glasses. 
but now she doesn't have to. I don't know what lines you're making. <laughs> it's like it's like a really specific poster that's in a lot of chem labs. Oh, and it's her name is I, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> it says Carol. I know what you're it's talking like a about. picture. It's like a black poster yeah. with a picture of a woman with a, a walking stick. Yeah. Carol doesn't have many more. Go on, Austin. Um, but uh, yeah, so there's there's a lot of Christmas movies out there and. Some of them are good. Also, something I noticed is that most Christmas movies, like, all about, are mainly, like, the consumerism and the fanfare of Christmas. Like, Here Comes Santa Claus. Like, all that stuff. That's the one with them. And, like, there's not, like, a Passion of the Christ. Like, there's... Jingle all the way. At least not, like, the popular ones. Um, which I was, also thought was interesting. Like, it's, again, like, the immense consumerism around Christmas. Which I get. Like, I would cash in on that, too. Yeah, it's um, weird. Like, you have the movies about, like... You have, like, The Grinch and Rudolph and those things, and then you have the movies that are just about people celebrating Christmas, like right. Christmas Story or Christmas Vacation. Then yes. just about them celebrating Christmas. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. So I decided to come up with a personal top ten uh, Christmas movies from Austin Ryan. Christmas Vacation is the best of all time. Don't ask me. <laughs> um, it is on my list, however, it is not number one. So number 11, uh, The Family Man. You said top ten. That's right. Top 10. Number 11 coming in. <laughs> That's absolutely correct because okay. I, I couldn't get rid of the family bags. It's so good. I don't good. know what that is. It's a Nick Cage film. How am I not in that movie? Did you remember that SNL bit? Yeah. That was such a good bit. Anyway. <laughs> um, Andy Samberg, way back when. Thank you. But it's a it's a very good film. Um, a Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey. I like that you one like a lot. You like that one? I actually did. See, I never it's watched like it, but the previews look really the animated creepy. One. Just like, it's okay. It's really not that creepy. It, it was pretty good. Um, Home Alone, number nine. Uh, eight, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. The Claymation, or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call that. Gosh. Is that, because there's Year Without a Santa Claus, and then there's Santa Claus is Coming to Town. I'm more of a Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Which one is that? That's not the He Miser I don't know which one is the He Miser or Snow Miser one. <laughs> as far as I know, it's the same film, but you just overlap the two. <laughs> In my youth, I was often told I looked like that young Santa Claus. You can see it. Yeah, you totally do. I'm sorry it didn't work out. <laughs> Seven, Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown. Six, Jingle All the Way. Mentioned that earlier. That's a, I really like that film. Uh, five, Christmas with the Cranks. Four, Christmas Vacation. Three, Elf. Two, A Christmas Story. And number one, I know I'm going to get some flack for this, Die Hard. <laughs> it's an amazing movie. You said this for the goof. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's such a good care. movie. It's such a good movie. It's just a movie that takes place at Christmas. It's very clear. Okay, um, I also felt like I would be remiss if I didn't throw in a, a couple of uh, Thanksgiving movies. <laughs> so Thanksgiving, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Never Good one. That. John Candy yeah. and uh, Steve Martin. Steve Martin. It's hilarious. Very good film. And then Happy Thanksgiving, Charlie Brown. My least favorite Christmas movies. And I would, I'm also very interested <laughs> to hear about what you all, what your all's favorite and least favorites might be. Number six, It's a, it's a Wonderful Life. I kind of hate the classics on this list. I've never watched it. So if you weren't upset already, <laughs> get ready to now. <laughs> Five, Miracle on 34th Street. I've never seen that one either. Not a fan. Four, Frosty the Snowman. The Santa Claus with the E for the Tim yeah, Allen one. That's a dumb also movie. the second one, worse. Uh, two, A Christmas Prince 2. And number one, my least favorite movie, The Polar Express. I've watched it so probably because I've seen yeah. it so many times and I don't like it. But there you go. I know it seems like I might have just give myself a platform to tell you all my favorite and least favorite <laughs> Christmas movies are, and you'd be right. <laughs> um, but right. I'm interested to see what you guys might. No, but one one Christmas movie that I really like that I don't watch that often because I forget about it. It's called Joyeux Noel. It's about in <laughs> World War One when 
all on one battlefield. There were the Scottish, the Germans, and the French. And for Christmas Eve, there was like this big truce. And they like went over to each other's side and got to know each other. They played this big ba- game of mm. soccer. It's just, it's a really good movie. Hmm. The magic of soccer. All right. So when I learned that the word was connection, one of the first things I thought of was like different types of cable, power supplies, computer cables, <laughs> different inputs, right? Like like Cat5 and USB. And I thought of like things, con- like digital things connecting to each other. So in the same spirit of that, to kind of go with our Christmas theme, what I've cho- chosen to do is Christmas lights. You know, they all have those, those little ends that connect to each other, that connect to power. Christmas lights are great. All facts. All facts. <laughs> <laughs> so I started off with, you know, why, why do we use Christmas lights? And going back far enough, I had to start with, why do we put trees in our living rooms? Gaffigan has that bit about like, <laughs> honey, I'm gonna cut down this tree, bring it in here. What is it? Take the tree, bring it in here. It's like a drunk guy. We're decorated for for Jesus. <laughs> right. So pine trees were first brought into homes by the early modern Germans, and the early modern period is considered between 1500 and 1800. So pretty early, the Germans started bringing trees into their into their living rooms for Christmas time. And in the 1700s, it was a widely adopted practice, particularly by wealthy German. And we'll get into why it's important that they were wealthy. So these trees that they brought into their houses, they decorated with candles. And candles at that time were a pretty expensive light source. So they would take these candles and they would walk up to their pine tree in their living room and they would secure them with either pins or with melted wax. And they would secure it right to the branch. And so reading about that, I thought, how did, how was, the entire place not in a constant fire. Cause it sounds so ready for fire. Yeah, dry tree, right. heat. <laughs> Candle directly on the branch. But I read that at night they would go and they would light all of the candles and then the family would just stand in front of the tree for a few minutes and then blow them all out. <laughs> what? So it, it's, you know, it's not like how we have Christmas lights now where, you know, my family leaves the tree on all day. <laughs> So they just appreciate their lit up Christmas tree for a few minutes and to conserve those expensive candles. And that's why only wealthy people did this. And it wasn't until 1890, around that time, that actual candle holders were created to fit onto the branches of the trees to hold the candles. The 200 and some years prior, we were still just using pins and wax. And so there was no intermediate. We moved directly from candles directly to incandescent lights on Christmas trees. So the first known electrically illuminated Christmas tree was created by a man named Howard H. Johnson. He was the vice president of the Edison Electric Light Company, which now is Consolidated Edison, still a company that's kind of still Mm -hmm. around. He was an associate of Thomas Edison. So he, you know, kind of working with Edison, Edison created the first practical light bulb and so he used that technology strung a bunch of them together his first the very first strand of lights was red white and blue and heck yeah <laughs> and, that's right <laughs> ed strung them uh, across his tree and hit the first strand had 80 bulbs on it and each was the size of a walnut good size um, and so that was the very first strand of christmas lights and he put it on his personal christmas tree but 
as all things, when new technology comes out. They thought he was real crazy. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> what's up with this what guy? Is this? The cost of these electric Christmas lights was really high originally. So they did not actually become a majority replacement for candles until the 1930s. Are um, you that, serious? That more people were using incandescent lights than candles. So candles lasted that... for a ridiculous amount of time. Hey, you know how trees bird let's put right. an open flame on our tree right and leave it there and during those later times they started like putting candles in little globes or putting them in like little lanterns and putting those on the tree right but still they but had still, fire that's absolutely directly wild. on the tree so incandescent bulbs right that first strand was in the 1880s still around people still put incandescent bulbs on their house those lights are smaller now but they are still very prevalent, the use of incandescent Christmas lights, but slowly edging edging incandescent bulbs out are the new LEDs. Hey, efficiency, here we come. Yeah, so LEDs are much more efficient. They last a lot longer in the strand. There's nothing more annoying than having a, a string of incandescent light bulbs and having a single one go out. Yeah, and losing the entire strand. Right. That doesn't happen as much with <clears throat> LEDs. They consume a lot less energy. And then I wanted to mention that people have said before that they don't like the look of LEDs. I don't know if you guys have They're heard so this. Bright. Right. I've heard that it has like a much colder look and doesn't provide like the same warm it's more aesthetic. It's like a blue light than a yellow light. Right. As incandescent. I think they've tried to change that some. I think they've tried to capture that color. But for certainly the original LEDs were very blue. They kind of made outdoor houses look kind of frosty. So they have tried to change that. LEDs are great. Consume way less energy use LED Christmas lights. <laughs> just, just to let everyone know, we Brought are by big LED. endorsing <laughs> Philips Christmas lights. Philips Christmas lights. The frosty look you you've been looking for. You have to stop giving time <laughs> Free <to> sponsorships. <laughs> That's right. If you're looking for LEDs, Philips. Okay. Um, so I also wanted to mention something that I have watched the last couple of years with my family when I go home for the month off that college gives you around hey. Christmas time. Every year, at least the last couple of years, ABC has put on a show called The Great Christmas Light Fight. You're joking. You guys don't know about That's this at all? That's a show? It is a show. Okay. So it's called The Great Christmas Light Fight, and I believe it's set up like a bracket, and every episode they go and visit two different houses, um, look at these people's Christmas display, and like take a full walkthrough through it, and they do a lot of backstory, like on the people, and everything it took to set up. You know, me and Jimmy have been working on this Christmas display for eight weeks, and the whole neighborhood was involved and all kinds of stuff. It's a pretty hard Disney advertisement as well. Uh, it sure. is on ABC. On ABC? Are you serious? <laughs> Go Bunch figure. After walking, after watching Nick, Mickey's 90 The Spectacular, I can't wow. imagine. That was wild. That was wild. Bunch of B-list celebrities having a good old time. All right, anyway. <laughs> right. So in the Great Christmas Light Fight, people decorate their yards and houses, and it's all a competition to win $50,000. And so you can wow. watch all these people's different humongous light displays that they use thousands and thousands of lights. They often like dance. They're set to certain soundtracks. There's usually like statues or something involved. People get really creative with it. And the last little piece I wanted to say, I was looking for the largest display of Christmas lights. Uh, and the largest one I could find occurred at a mall in Australia in 2014. And in this Christmas light display, 1.2 million LED lights were displayed across 75 miles of cable. 
75 miles? How long did it take to string that sucker? Don't what I... is the power duty? That's what I'm asking. <laughs> what are those utilities? What is the utility? They're they're blowing some breakers. Yeah, no, what, what you need to figure it's out is... a bunch is, of uh, generators? Let's calculate this. Right, no, because every diode has a resistance. So at the end of 75 miles of 1.2 diodes, what's the current? <laughs> I don't know. Right? What's the drop over 75 miles? Oh, yeah. We can figure out. <laughs> I'm sure they have, like, amplifiers and, and other... lots of generators. Other stuff. All kinds of crap. Worked Holy in there. Holy smokes. But yeah, in theory, you could, you could where, figure do you know where that where, what Do you know where that was? Is that in... It was in a town in Australia. I didn't want to attempt to pronounce the town, <laughs> so I just didn't write Dingo it Dingo baby Australia. There you there go. There you go. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, so that is my my whole bit on Christmas lights. Yeah, Christmas lights were always a big thing in my family. Like we would just like get in a car and oh, maybe get dinner, but then just drive around and go f drive around neighborhoods. See who's got was, the good lights. And for whatever reason, my dad always referred to it as the German name, which I believe he made up for Christmas <laughs> lights, which he called Stubenhaben, <laughs> and that's what we that's what we called it. <laughs> All right. Well, when I was thinking about connection, I didn't really know where to go with it, but somehow I remembered that this topic was a thing, and the connection part of it is very small and very specific, but I'll, you'll probably know when I get to it. But before I actually can talk about it, I have to give some background. So, I'm talking about Yule Goats, or... What? Yule Goats? Yep. <laughs> like a Yule Log, but goat. But a goat. What is or, the word Yule or, about, even? Or Yulboken, Christmas goat. This is oh, a, so a Yule something is just a Christmas something. Yeah. Is that what Yule, Yule means? in Swedish meat is Christmas. That's what it. That's you say good Yule. Oh, good Yule. <laughs> good Yule. <laughs> but so Yule goats today are like this like decorative thing. You can have Christmas ornaments of them, or I had, I do have like a little mini one that's probably like foot tall, and I was going to bring it, but I forgot. I'm but glad then, you specified two foot tall. Because you were just putting a, a distance between your hands, <laughs> which is the, the best way to recognize distance in an audio medium. <laughs> so the origins of the Yule Goat go back to ancient, ancient pagan festivals. So the popular theory is that the celebration of the goat is connected to the wor worship of Thor, who rode in a chariot pulled by two goats. And nearly killed Thanos. <laughs> he was so close. He was so, so close. close. Time. He was a time stone away from getting from. And he, he, if he would have gone for the head, he should have gone for the head. Should have gone for the head. Sorry, sorry, listeners. We watched Infinity War last night, and now we we could we can't stop. Not for the first time. We're no, not no, nerds. No, we're not nerds. <laughs> we're, <not>, we're, <laughs> we're real. Sorry. The this other thing that I kind of found confusing about it. So, the last sheaf of grain bundled in the harvest died down in, in vampire times. In like, I don't know, 1500s? You're trying to tell me vampires still <laughs> exist now? <laughs> so, in the harvest, proud. the last sheaf of grain that was bundled in Scandinavia was credited with magical properties as the spirit of the harvest, and it was saved for the Yule celebrations, and one of the things that it was called was Yule Buck. I don't know why, because like today they, they make a goat, like it looks like a goat, it's made out of straw, and it has like the vague shape of a goat. Okay. Straw goat. So instead of a scarecrow, it's a scarecrow. That's scare what goat. I was thinking. And you hang it up and the crows go away. At Christmas. So, <laughs> At Christmas. Uh, in Sweden, <laughs> people regarded the old goat as this invisible spirit that would appear to make, or that would appear sometime before Christmas to make sure that the um, preparations were done right. Before. It's the great Yule goat, Charlie Brown. <laughs> and then during the 19th century, the role of the Yule goat 
in Scandinavia kind of shifted towards a like a Santa figure before they had a Santa mm. figure, and one of the men in the family would dress up as the Yule Goat, and I I don't think I have a picture of it to pull up right now, but I did see a picture of one of these costumes, and it was terrifying. <laughs> and today they have like more of a Santa Claus figure that comes and delivers the presents. So today it's best known as like a Christmas ornament or decorations, like I said. It's, it's a decorative goat made of straw and bound with red ribbons. Usually like just put them like with your tree and other decorations. So one tradition that came of this is that large versions of the Yule Goat are often erected in towns around Christmas. And this tradition started with the Yevle Goat in the 1960s. Yevle is a town so it's a giant version of the traditional Yule Goat made of straw. They put it up every year at the beginning of Advent, uh, over a period of two days, the community groups put it up. And the, the they Yav- said the angel of death passes over their household. <laughs> <laughs> the the Yavla Goat is particularly famous because it has been burned down almost every year since it was first started. And they erect this just these huge goats in the town square, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. So I might ask, you know, my... My Swedish friend Austin, hey, you going to the big goat erection? <laughs> Bro, did you see that goat? Um, he was so, hanging for, since 1966, when it was first put up, which has been 51 years, it was it's been damaged, not just burned down. It's been damaged 37 times out of 51. Is it a music festival now? No. Burning goat? Do they smoke yeah. it? So, how it was first created in 1966, this advertising consultant came up with this idea to make a giant version of the Yule Goat in the town and the fire department put it together and built it and they built it every year from 1966 to 1970 and then from 1986 to 2002 the very first goat was 43 feet tall and 23 the, feet long wow they started off pretty big holy smokes 43 feet tall mm-hmm. so they it's a like, first so, a first down and some change so it's like this wooden like base it looks like like a kind of like a horse i guess wow. you could say or like a and then they cover it with straw and like put the ribbons on it. <laughs> it was three tons. And then on New Year's Eve, it was burned down. The perpetrator was found and convicted of vandalism. And it's a, the goat was insured in the very first year, which I was surprised about. How do you insure? I don't know. I have no idea how that's supposed to work. It seems like a good thing. It's burned down 37 times out of yeah. 51. Yeah, but they insured it the very first year. So I'm finna insure. Can I buy it? We should cash in on this. I like yeah, to insure Yeah, can I goat. like short sell the goat? And, and the then goat just burn, burn it and go uh, burn it down myself. Can I buy options? So after, after the first year, this group of business, businessmen known as the Southern Merchants financed the building of the goat. And then in 1971, they stopped and this other group called the Natural Science Club of the school of Vasa. The Natural uh, Science Club? That sounds like a joke. <laughs> took over, started building them, and theirs was only six feet tall, but they got positive reactions, so they kept doing it. And then since 1986, the Southern Merchants once again decided to start building again, so now there's two goats being built every year. Ooh. In the same town? Yeah, your goat sucks. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> got some goat turf Talk going on. <laughs> the cost for the goat. In 1966, the very first one was 10,000 kroner, which was about, today is about $1,000, $1,100. To make a straw goat? In 2005, it was 100,000 kroner, so like $11,000. Whoa! So, all the stuff that goes into it. I'm assuming that has to do with, I mean, all of the supplies, but as well as you'll see the security that goes into it. Mm. It's famous for being vandalized by arson. The fire station is very, very close to the goat, so most of the time the fire can be extinguished before the like wooden skeleton is damaged. 
If it's burned down before December 13th, which is the feast day of St. Lucia, which is another holiday, mm -hmm. they'll rebuild it. Um, but if not, so I you're telling me late on the night of December 13th, a bunch of arsonists. <laughs> <laughs> hey! As of 2005, only four people have been caught or convicted of vandalizing the goat. And here's where uh, our word comes in. In 2001, the goat was burned down by a 51-year-old 50 visitor from Cleveland, Ohio, who spent 18 days in jail and was subsequently convicted and ordered to pay 100,000 Swedish kroner, so $10,000, and the court confiscated his cigarette lighter with the argument that he was clearly not able to handle it. <laughs> and he stated in court that he was no, in quotes, goat burner. And he believed that he was taking part in a legal goat burning tradition. And then after he was released, he so this guy was in a bar two days before, fine. and some jerks are like, "Hey, you know what we always do is burn this goat down. You and your cigarette lighter should do it." I thought it was tradition. Probably. Wow. I tried to find out a more information about that. A fifty-year-old dude from Cleveland, Ohio, is one of the four or five you said they got caught. One of the four people that has been actually caught. That's like a claim to fame for Cleveland. <laughs> Holy smokes. Rock <laughs> and Roll Hall of Fame. We got a championship with Bron Bron, the guy who burned down a goat. <laughs> yep. In 1996, the Southern Merchants introduced camera surveillance to monitor the goat 24 hours a day. And Summertime. there is a webcam that you can watch it. Dope. But in 2004, the homepage of the goat was hacked and one of the um, webcams was changed. And then one year... <laughs> These security guards were posted around it in order to prevent vandalism, but the temperature dropped very, very low, below zero. So they went right into a nearby restaurant, and then it was burned down when they went to the restaurant. <laughs> Unbelievable. There are other goats throughout Sweden that also generally get attacked, but this one is the most famous because it was the first one. In 2006, it was the 40th anniversary of the goat, and on... Sunday, the 3rd of December, they held a large celebration to honor it. They fireproofed it with this fireproofing substance. About time. Airplanes. They had done this earlier, in, like before 2006, but the dew made the liquid dri drip off of it, so it didn't really work anyway. <laughs> so to prevent this was happening, they, they applied this solvent base to it. What, are they coated in toluene? This will never burn. <laughs> in 2006, it actually survived. In 2016, which was the... Would, would have been the 50th anniversary. It burned down just hours after they inaugurated it. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. I, I, I have, hear Chris and me, the goat. I'll go through this timeline. This is unbelievable. Um, so you guys talked about competition between the two groups. Mm. So since 1986, there have been two yule goats built in Yevla, the southern merchants. So every year since 1986, there's been yeah. two warring Basically, West Side yeah. Story-esque <laughs> yeah. goats. And then the Natural Science Club. Until 1985, the Southern Merchants held the world record for the largest goat. Hmm. And over the years, the Natural Science Club, that they only had, it was only six feet at first. Right. They've increased theirs in size. So they have been multiple times where they've like gone against each other to try to get their goat into the Guinness Book of World Records. You know, they haven't attempted it since 1985. In 1993, they, the Southern Merchants announced again that they were going to attempt the world record. It was 34 feet tall, and the Natural Science Club's goat was 49 feet tall, so mm. they got theirs into the uh, Book of World Records. Right. So here is a just uh, just an amazing timeline of the life of this goat. So, 1966, it was destroyed on December 31st by fire, very first one. It also they so they put notes up with security additions and like how it was actually destroyed. Survived for the next two years. They added a fence in 1968. 
The next year, they added chicken wire to protect it. It destroyed in a fire. 1970, six hours after construction, it was destroyed in a fire. Six um, hours. It says the goat's destruction was blamed on two drunk teenagers, and this one was reassembled. In 1971, it was smashed to pieces. <laughs> and this was when the southern merchants were, became tired of the goats being destroyed, so they stopped building it for a couple years. 1972, collapsed. 73, it was stolen. Fire, it collapsed. It was hit by a car in 1976. Fire. At least they're creative. They don't just burn it down. In 1978, it was kicked to pieces. Kicking? That's all the information they have. Wow. Um, At least it wasn't burnt. So, in 1979, the first goat, it says prior to assembly, it was burned. And then they built a second one that was fireproof, and this one was broken into pieces. In 1981, it survived. In 1983, the legs were destroyed. In 1985, it was enclosed by a six-foot-high metal fence and divided, guarded by soldiers, and it was still destroyed in a fire. Someone can't do their job. <laughs> in 1987, it says heavily fireproofed, and then fire. It was destroyed in a fire. It survived in 1988. Twice in 1989, it was burned down. 1990, it survived. In, in 1990, the goat was guarded by many volunteers. It survived in 1993 and 94. It was guarded by taxis and the Swedish Home Guard these years. In 1996, they started monitoring it with webcams and it survived. And then in 1997, it survived but with damage because it was damaged by fireworks. They've added ranged weapons. In 1999, it just says fire. It says within hours. Wow. Oh, in 1998, it burned down during a blizzard. And then in, in 2000, it was the first one was burned down, and then the second one was thrown into the river. In 2002, it survived. In 2005, it burned down, and it was burned by unknown vandals that were dressed as Santa and the gingerbread man. But they shot a flaming arrow at the goat. Nice. If anyone else, it was Santa the gingerbread man. <laughs> the hunt for the arsonist responsible for this burning was featured on the weekly Swedish live broadcast, Most Wanted. Nice. Wow. Survived in 2006. Sounds like it's uh, not that hard to get away with. <laughs> like if you're... The perfect crime. If you're a vandal in Sweden, like this is your big hit of the year. Right. Like they've done this for 40 years and they've got four people. Yeah. So they have this webcam. It's not a good rate. But at for privacy, it's purposefully focused so that you can't see people's faces and you can just like see the go, but you can't identify people. Mm. Well, so what's the point of that? I don't know. Uh, yeah. it survived that would never in... happen in the U.S. We would invade everyone's <laughs> privacy. <laughs> That's right. Survived in 2010. In uh, 2011, it was sprayed with water to create a coating of ice, but the weather was mild and the ice melted, and it was burned. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> in 2013, it was soaked in flame retardant. It burned in a fire. <laughs> what uh, flame survived flame in 2014. Using? At least three arson attempts were made this year, and then one of the goats collapsed. In 2015, it was burned down. A 26-year-old man fleed the scene with a singed face and smelled of gasoline, and he was arrested and under questioning. He had, he admitted to doing it and added that he was drunk at the time, and in retrospect, it was an extremely bad idea. <laughs> in 2016, it was destroyed by an arsonist on its inauguration day. This was during the 50th anniversary celebration, and the organizers said that they would not rebuild it, and it was replaced by a smaller replica built by high school students, and this was later hit by a car. <laughs> Later, this is just the worst Yule goat. Last year, it survived. It had double fence, cameras, and guards, and there were no attempts to burn the goat down. And then this year, 2018, it's still standing. You can see it on the website for the the. Well, the goat. now you just ruined it. 
It's definitely going to burn down at some point now. Um, It has fencing, cameras, guards, a taxi rank to increase the number of people nearby. You will be shot on sight. (laughs) What if they made it out of, I don't know, something not flammable? Does it have to be made out of straw? That's tradition. Do you think after 20 years, like, oh, shoot. After 50 years. But, like, even after a few of those, right? Yeah. They're like, oh, man, what if we... You know how this flame retardant doesn't work? I don't know. Yeah, like, the three little pigs. That idiot made his thing out of straw. Could have just made the goat horse out of bricks. Yeah. Good point. I'll just show you guys a picture of it. This will be great for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean... Did All right, we, listeners. Did we ever we... say who we were? Yeah. I introduced oh, you. I don't think they know my voice. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, wow, it has it's... much larger horns than I thought. So it has horns that go from its head all the way to its left and right hips yeah. on its back. Mm-hmm. It's really well lit. <laughs> and there's many people around such that if you tried to destroy it via fire, someone would notice. Like, they had a flaming arrow that one year. But a flaming arrow would do it. But yeah, you That's guys like can, the hot um, hit if you're an arsonist. You can, can watch it, check on it, see how it's doing. Do you guys think arsonists like go there for practice? No. Get ready for the new season of Arsonist. No, no, no. Season. This is this is like the this is not because practice would be like some some light level you know some easy walk in the park arson. This is the Super Bowl. Oh, do you think this is the Super Bowl of arson? Of arson. <laughs> for Where sure. Is burning. Oh, I that's kinda, nice. I kind of like it more burning <laughs> than I do. Uh... I just it feels like like every year on December twenty sixth they should set it on fire or something. Just on purpose. Just let them know, like, hey, if you don't burn it's it down before... I think you... it's considered to have lived if it makes it to, to New Year's. Okay, good. I also, it, I mean, we don't have a um, Instagram or anything, so I'm not going to post this anywhere, but... Um... Follow us on Twitter at WordsFriendPodcast. That is WordsFriendPodcast. <laughs> we just got a new, you know, person handling the Twitter, and it's about to pop off. Yeah, Carol's doing a good job. It's or really great. Or on Instagram at... WordsFriendsPodcast again. Yep. Follow me, Isaac O'Brien, on Instagram at Isaac Um O'Brien. <laughs> that is Um with three M's. Isaac Um O'Brien. Isaac uh, underscore Um. Yeah, underscore, underscore O'Brien. With whatever number of M's work. I've just got try it out. Really great, great pile of great nature content. shots. Great content provided to you, my Instagram <laughs> followers. This become a thing for your Instagram. We let you on this <laughs> show once, and you just want followers on Instagram. Is that what this whole thing was about? <laughs> um, if you want to look up pictures of the goat, it's spelled G A V L E. That's why. Because nothing in Swedish makes sense. <laughs> That's not right. But the first time I read that article, I was laughing so hard. <laughs> That's crazy. So uh, find a better fire retardant or make it out of something different. If you guys have a goat that you want to show, show us send that. a letter to the town. Let them know what you think. Yeah, that's right. You can email us at wordsfriendspodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> and let us know what you think of the show. On uh, SoundCloud and Apple Music. We read every single email. So yeah. thanks for sending thanks those for in, sending guys. Thanks for sending us your packages. Yeah. It's been, we we apologize. We really appreciate it. We'll right. make a new Patreon video very soon. <laughs> it takes some time. There's so many. Sometimes it takes a little while uh, to get back so to them. But happy holidays it. and Merry Christmas, That's especially. Right. Absolutely. Right. Signing off. Oh yeah, this is like, signing off. Time. This is Amanda Svensson. Isaac O'Brien. And Austin Ryan. But those were none of our names. That's, that's <laughs> Stay all safe our names. and have a happy wonderful holidays. Christmas and happy holidays from the Words of the Friends podcast. Glory Over and out. The Lord has come. <laughs> <laughs>